You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, Nick. How are you? Good. It's a beautiful, cloudy Tuesday and the, the heat wave is coming. Are you ready? I don't think it's going to get that hot where I am. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm as ready as I need to be, I think. I'll, um, I'll take nice. off a layer. There you go. We're supposed to be touching 95 tomorrow. So, oh, well, I think, I think we're in the low 80s. So I'll take it. We haven't had a lot of hot weather. So, yes, summer is upon us. And speaking of hot, Dave, uh, the hot topic right now is inflation and the continued pace of the increase of prices compared this year compared to last year. That was a great segue from uh, from the weather <laughs> like to uh, our topic. At the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, inflation. Uh, the last week's reading on the consumer price index was a whopping eight point six percent, which um, has no one happy at all. Yeah, least of all the markets, which uh, reacted pretty negatively to the fact that inflation is continuing at that high pace and doesn't seem like it's going to um, subside anytime in the near future, at least. Today's topic, really acknowledging inflation, but really talking about you know strategies and things you can think about to deal with inflation. Yeah, you know, I think we, we recorded a podcast earlier this year on inflation and kind of what's going on and, and what to look out for. And, you know, it's been two or three months since then. So we thought maybe some practical advice about figuring out what you can do or maybe should be doing as it relates to the continued increase of prices that we've seen. It's one thing to to complain and to acknowledge that, boy, I just paid twice as much for a tank of gas as I did six months ago. Um, But, you know, as a starting point, what we would recommend everybody do and this is not going to shock anybody, but sit down and take a look at your monthly expenses and actually compare, you know, May of 2022 or what you expect for June of 2022 to where you were last year and what your spending looked like. So you can really see what the impacts are and where they are in your budget because it's, it's, it's a little less scary, I think, when you start hanging actual numbers on it in a way, not that those numbers are better than expected, but at least you can you can make a plan and strategize around something real instead of just um, react to the news. I think that's a great point, Dave. And, and I think, you know, we think of inflation and we see inflation and we kind of see the market's reaction. So we assume it's a bad thing and it's affecting Mm -hmm. us. But if we don't really kind of peel back the numbers, we don't really understand how it's affecting us and what kind of behavior changes we might make in order to kind of curtail some of that. You know, America's favorite pastime is uh, complaining about the the price of gas and the weather, right? Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, if we take that out, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. It gets pretty boring. But there are some practical things that you can do. And and interestingly enough, we go back to kind of what makes up inflation. Obviously, we've all seen the headlines of, hey, we've got 8.5% inflation rate. Well, that covers everything. And some things are much higher, like the price of gas, which is up about 48%, or fuel oil, which is up 70%. So some of the that 8.5% is skewed. So it's a really interesting exercise to figure out, okay, 
how much more am I spending on things like gas and groceries, which we've heard about, but what about some of the other things? Have they gone up as fast? And are there some planning things that we should think about when it comes to having a budget? So my, my right. first tip would be if you are you know, lucky enough that you're doing a mint or tracking on a monthly basis, this should be a pretty easy thing to go back and look at where you were at last year compared to this year. If you're like me and you don't believe in tracking because it's cumbersome and you just kind of give up on it after a month or two, it's probably going to be an exercise of, hey, let's go into our credit card bill. Usually your credit card company will keep all those records on file and you can actually digitally pull up a credit card bill from March of last year and compare it to March of this year to kind of see where things stand. They're thinking about that strategically. We've said it a hundred times, but... uh show me your budget and I can tell you your priorities. And uh, when it comes time to make cuts and make changes in your life, you need, you need that as a guidepost. I don't think that advice is going to surprise anybody. Yeah. Much better strategy than sticking your head in the sand and just complaining about how the gas prices are up. Maybe figure out how much they're up and how you're going to adjust your budget. So you, you don't get in trouble later on in the year um, with you know, not being able to pay some of the bills or not having enough cash reserve in your contingency fund because you've been spending more than what you thought. You know, cash management is always a tricky subject during these kind of environments because we know that if you're holding money in the bank and making next to nothing on it and inflation is rising, you're losing money on on money even if you're not seeing the value fluctuate the way we do in the financial markets. So, you know, we always want to make sure we're not holding too much cash, but you also, you know, need to make sure you've got enough on hand for contingencies and immediate spending. A great time to really think about how much do you need in cash because you certainly will want a contingency and emergency fund. and, And we always talk about that on this show. So figuring out what that amount is. And making sure that you may you don't have more than what you need in cash or emergency that you could put to work to kind of combat some of that purchasing power that you're losing on cash. We'll come back to uh, the portfolio and inflation here in a minute. But if we're talking about what you need to hold in cash, you know, look at things like online high yield savings accounts that are FDIC insured but aren't connected to um, a brick and mortar bank. And the, the, the programs that seem to pay better interest are those affiliated with banks that work with credit card companies like Discover Bank or American Express, Ally Financial, which handles um, GM's leasing programs and such. Those companies will pay a higher rate than a lot of banks because they need cash for their, to fund their loans. And they tend to be more responsive to rising interest rates. So we've already seen those companies start to raise what they will pay depositors. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, kind of makes sense because they're dealing in more short term. And so they're paying more because they're able to collect more on the short term side as far as interest rates go, um, where your local bank or credit union may not be as responsive because they haven't felt the increase in interest rates on some of their loan products quite as quickly. So something to look into. Um, The main thing on those that, you know, they're all kind of created equal. Just make sure it's FDIC insured. Um, and, and you're in a pretty good spot. And I always go to bankrate.com and just they usually have a good list of who's paying the most and kind of pick one that you're familiar with and set it up. Another thing we've talked about on this podcast before as well, Dave, is I bonds. 
I-bonds have gotten a lot of press and we talked about them a couple of weeks ago, kind of dispelling some of the bad information that was out there about them. But they are a legitimate tool for money that you're likely to hold in cash for a couple of years. They're not really meant to be a short-term tool and they're not nearly as exciting as some people thought they were a few weeks ago, but they are a good tool. And those are, those are savings bonds, traditional savings bonds that you can buy that have their interest rate pegged to inflation. You can, uh, you can see our, our work from a couple of weeks ago. We'll, uh, we'll link to that. Um, and there's more information out there at treasury.gov. Just make sure you understand how they work and, uh, and the limits and, uh, but they are a good tool. Yeah, just like anything, it's one of those things that depending on where you are and how much cash you have, it might be a good allocation for some of that. Certainly not something that we recommend you put all of your emergency fund into or anything along those lines, but something definitely worth thinking through and talking to your advisor about maybe diversifying, finding some strategies that might get you a little bit more interest, um, a little bit more hedge on inflation in this environment. So those are some things to think about for cash outside of the portfolio. When we talk about the portfolio inflation and inflation, there's a, a couple of things that we can talk about for inflation hedges. The first, and, and this is going to sound counterintuitive right now, but the best long-term hedge against inflation is the stock market. And it's counterintuitive because when inflation is the headlines, the market does lousy, as we've seen over the last six months. Um, the market will take it on the chin right. as um, rates are rising and company profits are in question. But where you see the stock market as a long-term inflation hedge is what drives stock prices up is expected growth and profitability. It's that growth that eventually creates inflation and takes some of that profit away. But if you step back and look at a chart of inflation over the long term and a chart of, inf- of the stock market in the long term, you'll see that stocks are, you know, one of the best answers to how to how to deal with inflation. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a, a mindset switch from we're so worried about inflation and the cost of gas mm-hmm. and how it's affecting things now. The bigger part of inflation is how it can kind of creep into your portfolio and increase your your living expenses over a longer period of time. Right. And that's where having a stock portfolio really pays off because if you have everything in cash and inflation is at, you know, three, four, five percent over a long period of time, you're really eroding your savings and your ability to kind of combat right. that. And that's where the long term stocks come in. Thinking of it more in terms right. of yes, it sucks today, but if it continues at this pace, it's going to really be more damaging in the long run unless you have a, a hedge like a stock portfolio. If you're watching any financial program right now, you're going to be inundated with ads about gold and how gold is a uh, good inflation hedge. And, and that's interesting. We, we talked about this a little bit last just last week on our Ask Me Anything episode um, about why gold, why financial planners are kind of hesitant to recommend gold. And it, it, gold did behave well during the inflationary period of the 1970s, but doesn't necessarily have a good long-term track record of risk and reward. 
Yeah, I mean, gold in the 70s, like you said, it was a good hedge against inflation. But you got to understand the risks that you're taking on in order to you know, have that hedge. And we also haven't seen that same relationship recently. So it's certainly right. something that... Yes, you know there. You know there's two times when the gold people really come out of the woodwork. One is when we have inflationary environments, and the other one is when we have you know a recession looming or things like that. And right. so there, you're getting hit extra hard right now in terms of gold and right. what you see on TV and and how you can put all your money in your IRA into gold. And um, so just be leery of those things and make sure you understand yeah. the risks and yeah. how that may or may not be a good idea for you kind of end it with two two things we've said before. One is um, if you look at the long-term chart, gold has all of the return of bank certificates of deposit with all the risk of the stock market. That's not a good relationship. And the other thing is yeah. the time to buy it is before, the, before there's inflation news, not like during the heart of it, because those people that are on TV offering gold and telling you how great it is are also the ones that have a lot of gold they want to sell you. So... Just right. keep those things in mind. Commodities, though, in general, can be a good hedge against inflation. You know, those are, you know, we're talking precious metals, oils, um, natural resources, things that tend to stay in high demand. And there again, though, they're good during inflationary periods, but not good in growth times. They tend to be a drag on a portfolio during the good times. And the time to buy commodities is, you know, when, um, when things are really good and nobody wants commodities, not in the middle of a right. recessionary fight, right? And, and so while they have performed very, very well this year, they are far and away the best asset class. Buying them now is probably just looking to get whipsawed when when things turn around. So, um, you know, be leery of that. And if you want to include commodities, you're going to look in recessions and other times. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that goes to, you know, part of that is just market timing, right? Like trying to time when to buy commodities, when to sell commodities, things like that. It's one thing to have that as a portion of your balanced portfolio. And we know of a lot of advisors mm -hmm. and investment managers that, you know, have some allocations to commodities that they hold on to. But like you said, in the inflation times, like now they look brilliant, but in the times when we don't have that, that will drag on the portfolio. Right. And right. having it as a standing asset class is a little bit different than throwing it into your portfolio because there's inflation. Number one, you're a little bit late for that. Number two, you're playing the timing game of when to get in, when to get out. That never gets done right. Kind of the, the third thing we've heard mentioned as a potential hedge to inflation is cryptocurrency. And which I find really fascinating that people are saying that at a time when crypto is down much worse than the stock market or the bond market. But at the end of the day, I, all we can do is shrug. Like no, no one knows how, how crypto is going to behave in an inflationary environment, right? Right. <laughs> It, uh, there, you know, it's, it's too new. It hasn't been through full economic cycles yet to be able to hang any numbers on, let alone multiple economic cycles where we can say, yes, stocks tend to behave this way in this part of the economic cycle and bonds tend to behave this way in this part of the economic cycle. Even if we make it through a full economic cycle of cryptocurrency, that's still only one data point, right? 
the, at the risk of sounding like the old guys who um, want to bash <laughs> cryptocurrency, I mean, the, the big thing is, we, like you said, Dave, we just don't know. And what we do know is yeah. we've seen the volatility in cryptocurrency. And so there is risks associated yeah. with it. Um, what we don't know is kind of we haven't seen it go through different market cycles. We're not really quite sure how it will react if we're treating it as a true asset class. And so we've got a lot of unknowns and a lot of risk, and that's something to always be leery of for sure. It's it's hard to say if what's brought crypto down over the last six months, and it's been drastic depending on which um, actual crypto you want to look at. It's It's just ugly across the board. But part of me you know, putting on my macroeconomics hat for a second, you know, if we are going to think of it as a currency, currencies tend to respond to the interest rates of the company, of the countries that are, that issue those currencies. Now, crypto doesn't have a country sponsoring it or a corresponding interest rate environment to go with it. But when we look at like the, when they talk about the dollar strengthening, one thing that makes the dollar strengthen vis-a-vis other currencies is is a rising interest rate environment. And when we see interest rates rising to combat inflation, we would expect people that might otherwise put money in crypto will say, oh, well, I'll take that 2% 2% sure thing on my savings account if you know if we get back to that you know it's the str- the higher you the higher return you can make on dollars the less attractive alternatives look so i have a hard time seeing how crypto would be a hedge against that i'm open minded about it but i don't see it yeah, it's definitely going to be a, an interesting place to watch. Um, I'm going to choose to watch from the sidelines, but there's others <laughs> that <too>. are uh, <laughs> watching from the inside. So, um, yeah. but it will definitely be interesting. Another thing I want to touch on before we wrap up the portfolio section of things to do, Dave, is just this thought behind the duration of bonds, longer term bonds, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, what role tips might play in a bond portfolio. Tips, kind of like the I-bond savings bonds are U.S. Treasury bonds that respond positively to inflation by increasing their interest. They can be a little bit tricky. Um, You need to understand how they work and when to buy them. And um, rather than go into a half an hour discussion of tips right here. I'm just going to say, you know, talk to your advisor or an advisor, get some advice into how and when to carve out a portion of your bond portfolio to include tips. We, um, we do tend to use them in uh, different amounts depending on risk profile for models. But in, uh, in our retirement portfolios, we do have an allocation to tips. Like anything else in the portfolio, be intentional about it. It's not meant to be the be all and end all. It's meant to serve a certain purpose and just recognize that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, another thing to think of is, like you said, we we talked a little bit about market timing. We talked about, you know, the portfolio Mm -hmm. and and what we never want to do is just think of, you know, okay, we're in an inflationary environment. Interest rates are going up. The Fed's increasing interest rates. So, we're going to take all the money out of long and intermediate term bonds and throw them into short term bonds and tips. That's yeah. not what we're suggesting. You, there's a reason right. to have all of those things in your portfolio and a good mix of them, but just being a little bit more intentional about what you have and why you have it, and making sure you're understanding that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, that's what's yeah. coming across today. All things in your season. 
<laughs> exactly. So I wanted to talk a little bit, Dave, about um, the other side of the ledger, which is uh, debts and what maybe is going on there. Yeah, that's with it. your own personal liabilities. Yeah, when we're talking about things you can strategies you can use during uh, during an inflationary environment, things to keep an eye on. If you've got debts out there that have variable interest rates. Um, take a good hard look at those, and they're you know, obviously credit cards, right? Um, and a lot of um, a lot of folks have home equity lines of credit that are based on interest rates. They're you know a lot of times it'll be the U.S. prime rate plus one, something like that. Those rates we yep. would expect to be getting worse, and those are good candidates to um, try to pay off sooner than later or refinance to a fixed rate if possible. A lot of those home equity lines are, especially the newer ones, have locking features where, you know, if you have a line, you can lock an interest rate in. Obviously, the best thing to do would be to pay it off, but we right. also are practical and reasonable. And we know the reason most people had those isn't because they had cash sitting around to pay for something. Right. So be careful about that, but maybe locking in some rates or like you said, yeah. refinancing credit yeah. cards, you know, it'd be great if you could pay those off or be a little bit more intentional about getting those down because yeah, like you said, those rates are going to go up. You know, the the credit card, the loan rates always react a lot quicker than the savings rates. So something <laughs> right. to think about and something to pay attention right. to. You'll notice that the interests start coming up and and thinking about maybe some longer term purchases, things like that too. Um, yeah. Super challenging market for car loans and things of that nature. But if you need a car, prices are going up. So maybe you can wait until they stabilize a little bit. But the flip side of that is if you lock in an interest rate. So you're kind of in a, in a catch 22 there, to be honest with you. But some things to consider and think about as you're going through and thinking about what's going to happen cash flow wise, debt wise in the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, when it comes time to prioritize payments and things, you know, we have a lot of folks that we talk to who prioritize paying off their mortgage. If, if inflation is an issue and you've got a 30 year mortgage with a locked in payment, that actually benefits from inflation. You know, if your if your mortgage payment is $500 a month for the next 20 years and inflation runs higher than expected every year, that $500 commitment that you made a long time ago is less valuable, right? Less important. Right. That $500 wouldn't buy you as much anyway. So you locked in a good thing. So if you're trying to pay your mortgage down more quickly and you've got these other things out there, that's a good time to reprioritize, pay off those, those um, shorter term things that are maybe going to end up at a higher rate. And don't worry so much about that long-term debt. You know, you can always switch back later, you know, just kind of shift your focus if you have that priority or if you're choosing between saving and investing versus paying a mortgage down in an inflationary envi environment where the market's been taking it on the chin, you know, stocks are on sale but your mortgage is actually your payments becoming less important every month. So maybe shift those, shift your weight a little bit there. That's a great thought. And, you know, we've talked about it before on this podcast. A lot of it comes down to your risk level, your comfort level and things of that nature. But if you're looking at it from a pure financial standpoint of, do I pay extra on my mortgage or put extra in my Roth IRA or 401k plan? You know, you're getting stocks at a lower rate than what you were 
six months ago and right. your fixed rate mortgage is staying flat. And so that might make a lot more sense to put more money towards the market that's kind of on sale right now as opposed to paying off what it looks like a really good interest rate for a mortgage. You know, who knows if we'll get back down to that two, three, four percent range in mortgages again anytime soon. Um, really hard to say. Uh, so you know, just some different things to think about, some different strategies to think about as we kind of learn how to deal with inflation um, and, and the ramifications of that. So I think uh, I think we've covered the uh, the basis here. Yeah, hopefully we've provided some practical tips for people to kind of go through and think about strategically. And instead of just complaining about the price of gas and the price of groceries going up, maybe doing some more practical things and some more planning to really help understand that and how it is, or a lot of times, Dave, how it isn't affecting you. Um, Certainly good for your headspace to kind of figure those things out and get a hold on it instead of worrying about those things. So yeah, as uh, always, if you have things, right. As always, if you have questions on inflation or how it relates to the, your portfolio or cash strategies, feel free to reach out to us at info at srbadvisors.com. And Dave, I uh, wish you farewell, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Nick. Yep, I'm good. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.